This is the Howie RevOps Podcast. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm a senior RevOps consultant at GoNimbly. Aligning your go-to-market teams and the tech behind them is easier said than done. And in this podcast, we talk about how we get there. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Howie RevOps Podcast. I'm your host, Adam, and today we have Stephanie with us, and we're going to be talking about how to start an intake process. And Stephanie, I'm wondering if you would like to introduce yourself. Yes, Stephanie Lewis-Bennett. We, of course, worked together previous at GoNimbly, but I'm currently yes. a principal program manager for Rollworks. Rollworks is an account-based marketing platform. Mm-hmm. They help B2B companies improve marketing and sales. They do this by partnering with companies to help them achieve better results through demand gen and ABM campaigns. It helps them reach and engage more of the right people in the right accounts. And they do this through customer data and machine learning. So really enjoy what I do there. I work with the RevOps team and the stakeholders that we support. Awesome. Yes. As somebody that's tried to do a lot of ABM stuff by hand, this is one of those things I'm thinking, let's give it to the machines. So they can learn it. They learn it a whole lot faster than we do. <laughs> Definitely. And as you said, you are a distinguished alumni of the Gone Nimbly crew. Definitely miss working with you. However, was very excited to have you on the podcast. And I'd like to start off with a fun question, which is what does your morning routine look like? Well, that depends. Personal or professional? Professional. So professional working in for a fully remote company that mm-hmm. has employees scattered all over the U.S. It does make it nice in a lot of ways in that in most cases, my morning is my own. And I'm one of those people that probably tends to overorganize and really focus on. So a lot of my morning is spent like clearing slacks, clearing email, grooming our backlog, monitoring our intake process. So a lot of the behind the scenes items happen when other people haven't even started their day yet. Definitely. And I like to ask people that because I think how you start your day off is really important and everyone has a different approach. For me, what I like to do is go for a walk around the block because like you, I work for a fully remote org and I've learned that in that transition, Not having that morning commute to get the blood flowing is really important for me. And I like to sneak in a podcast. So I'm hoping maybe other people are doing that as well. I think that really helps me start my day. So when I put out some feelers, because I'm seeing a lot of people talk about intake processes in the RevOps space, and I work for companies that have a lot of emails or slacks as their intake process all the way up to companies that have extremely well-defined task management and delegation systems. So I thought, well, I'd like to talk more about that and how that looks at different organizations and some of the gaps it solves. And I put some feelers out. You're pretty quick to respond. So I'm wondering what piqued your interest so much to talk about this topic. Yeah, I guess I did. I think, honestly, it's because it's fresh in my mind. It's something I live every day. Mm-hmm. I've started intake processes previously. They And I'm actually, I started the one we have at Rollworks for the RevOps team and the stakeholders that we support. Cool. I'm going to ask you a lot about that. Every time I've done it, they are all different. 
but I also at the same time try to make sure that I look back and pull in things that either worked well or, you know, didn't work well. So I was like, oh, yep, I can talk about that for like hours. Definitely. So let's start off with like, what do you define as an intake process? Because I think it can mean a few different things. Some people might have one. They don't know they have one. Some people might not have one and not know that they need one. I think that especially in the terms of being a team that supports others, whether it's Mm. a sales team supporting customers or a RevOps team supporting mostly internal customers and other go-to-market teams or more technical teams. I think Mm -hmm. of it like a funnel. Yeah. Anytime you have a funnel and you're kind of middling down, whether it's going through your emails and determining what you shouldn't work on or should work on, going through slacks and picking out things, oh, well, that's a task. So I see an intake process is taking all of the big and small things that you have to do and the prioritization and like discovery process that comes through as as a part of that process. And thinking about how you set this up at Rollworks, what were some of the gaps you were experiencing and how were you able to start that process? Yeah, so I started the intake process really shortly after I joined the company. It was a gap that the team knew existed and they were solving part of it through Salesforce cases, mainly for end users. So individual contributors on the sales team or other go-to-market teams. What they didn't have was a framework to support some of the more medium and large requests that they were getting from the teams. Those weren't coming Mm -hmm. through Salesforce cases. To your point, they were coming through Slack mostly. (laughs) And I think for them, it was a matter of having a less organized way of working through their backlog. So Mm -hmm. we use sprints. There there was a a backlog that was there, but it was mainly just tickets being created on the fly. I think another one is if you for the team specifically, one of the ways they knew they needed one is they did not have a clear way to communicate for themselves, for their own team or the teams that they support, what they're working on and why. Yes, I'm a big proponent of having an intake process and an organized view of what's been worked on, what's being worked on, and what needs to be worked on is one of the best ways to show your work as not only an individual contributor, but also what your team is doing and how that's driving value for the org. Yep. And that's one of the things that leads iterations in Mm. our intake process as well is it helps us show levels of effort in our work, levels of complexity in our work that others who aren't functional experts on helps them better understand where one person may think something is simple. One person may think it's difficult. I think having an intake process can help you illustrate the differences Mm. in like effort and complexity. Definitely. I think there's folks that probably fall into two camps. So they don't have an intake process or they have a really small scale down version or they have one and they want to make tweaks. So I'd like to talk about both of those. What are some important steps in terms of getting that initial intake process started? I think it can be impacted by why you need it. So I'm a big believer in simplicity (laughs) to start. So I think you kind of need to understand at least at a bare minimum the data that you're looking to capture as a part of your intake process. And that's going to depend on what's important to you. Mm -hmm. And most intake processes are kind of living 
grieving things, they will change weekly or monthly. So being able to understand like why you need one, I think is important. I think we always want to get to the why. And I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about the data that we want to capture in an intake process. Yeah. So ours has definitely grown over the course of this past year. Mm-hmm. And I think for from my perspective, taking a team who, especially the stakeholders who were used to having more informal conversations and maybe easier access to RevOps contributors, I wanted to make sure that there was not a huge barrier of entry to submit a request or a task right. through the intake process. So we started simple. We used go-to-market team. We used some really large, albeit vague at the time, generalized categories. So if it was for the new business team and it was a Salesforce request. Mm-hmm. As you know, there could be a lot of things in that category, but for us, it was just a matter of really getting it started. And also who requested it, who was working on it. And that's where we started. Like it was as simple as that. Since we started, we've now added a lot more categories. For us, it includes what customer journey, OKR, a task supports, um, what the stakeholder views is the level of priority. Yeah. In this way, it helps it kind of bounce off what we have as our own business unit priorities. Yeah, definitely. I can't recommend enough a V1, V2, V3, and beyond approach. I think as a serial perfectionist, I've learned the hard way about overworking something on the front end that just takes forever to deliver. If you could get something going with just a few minimal data inputs, and then you could riff off of that and you could modify as you go to your point you'll get more of that early adoption which i think is critical with newer initiatives is getting people biting quickly and early yeah. or else there's just too many reasons for it to be difficult or somebody didn't know they left off a field and then it didn't go to this person and we run into some of that territory no that's i mean i feel the same way i think the most important thing whether you have a short three-question intake process or you have a form that includes things like high-level requirements and due dates. From my perspective, it's the relationship and buy-in that you have from those that are using that intake process. Because if people don't use the intake process, well, then it's just you using it. Definitely. Let's say you kind of already have one going. We're in like the V3 phase. And you want to make some changes. So how do you know if you're ready to say, hey, I think we need to change this process? Because I think in RevOps, we're agile. We are quick to get things off the ground and try not to complain too much along the way. So when is it, when are you ready to say, wait, I think we need to take a step back and reevaluate this? Yeah, so from, there's a couple of different ways I look at this. So from an outside perspective, like it really depends on why it isn't going well. This can be mm-hmm. anything from no one's using it. Maybe it was too complex or maybe you're just not getting the data that you're looking for and you started to simplistic. But mm-hmm. for me, it, it really came down to looking at the reporting. And so reviewing the reporting every month and looking for those gaps. Mm. Are we seeing a lot of Salesforce requests? It might be time to start 
and adding additional categories or even subcategories for that specific type so that you're able to determine who and what is going to where. And also, if we had information or I was asked a question I wasn't able to answer, (laughs) that has also informed if it wasn't something I could report on and it was a question that had gotten more than once. That usually means that, hey, people are engaged. Engagement is great, but you have to feed that. So for Mm -hmm. me, it was like, well, if this is an important piece, whether it's a metric or just anecdotal information that they were looking on, that usually prompts me to be like, okay, I'll add that to, and I keep in my intake, I keep open tasks for improvements. And I said, I usually do it every two months and I just add to that task as requests or gaps are found. Wow. So you have a swipe file of tasks that were aggregates of gaps that you saw that you want to improve on in the process. That's a really good yeah. idea. <laughs> it helps me. It also helps me track like when the made, when the change was made. So yes, lots of data. Thinking about the phases or some steps that we want to consider before rolling out an intake process. What are some of those when we think about reworking? Where do you typically see organizations at in terms of their level of maturity and how does that impact things? Yeah, I think level of maturity, whether it's of your department, if it's or yourself at the company or from the organization as a whole, depending on who's going to use it. But I do think in most cases, the earlier the rollout, the easier it is, even if it's something that you start using yourself. So if you're not sure that it's going to work, mm-hmm. use yourself, especially if you're going to be like adminning it or governing the tool and the process that it operates in. If you don't use it, your stakeholders aren't going to use it. So it has to be helpful for you and the work that you do. However, I think that a lot of it comes through feedback. I think you you know when you know. If you seem to have a backlog of work that never gets done. Yeah. Or, or if you are having challenges in prioritization for your own work or against business goals. Those are usually good indicators that an intake process would probably be beneficial. That or you're just losing a lot of patience and maybe hair on the top of your head and you feel really overwhelmed all the time. That's a good point. I think it can help. People who maybe aren't, I think by nature, I'm super organized from a professional standpoint. So I think if you're not inclined that way naturally, an intake process can help create that structure for you and give you a repeatable process to follow to help you build that into your cadence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think with RevOps being a new thing, so even if you're working at a company that is larger in size and has more established processes and things like that, bringing consistency and a repeatable process is key to validating the needs of that team and driving those initiatives forward. So let's talk about the tools. And I know in some of our chats beforehand, you use Asana. I'm a big fan of Airtable. We are not hashtag sponsored, but we do have a lot to say about these tools. So tell us more about how you feel like Asana's met some of your needs and some other tools that you've worked with before that you like. Yeah, I mean, Asana works. Number one, it was what existed when I joined the company. Okay, that's always helpful. I think a lot of cases, you use the tools that you have Yep. in using Asana. I've used it before, but in really heavily using it this last year, 
they are pretty good about making iterative changes based on customer feedback. So I'm involved in their Asana ambassador program that allows you to vote on their backlog and things like that. And seeing items improved can help, it helps make you excited about using a tool. Yeah. So for me, it does not have the best reporting. I'm working through that, which can be difficult when you are not only data-driven yourself, but you work for data-driven stakeholders. But sometimes you just have to be patient and eventually reporting will come along that hopefully helps. I think other tools, I mean, an intake can be done, to your point, in something as simple as Slack or email. Is it ideal? No. No, but it'll get you by <laughs> if, it, depending on if your company doesn't have a tool that they use or that they're willing to, to sponsor and, and bring in for the company. There's also forms tools. So there's Google Forms. I think Microsoft has forms as well. So mm-hmm. even something like that, but ideally something that, that has a little bit more of a formal project or program management aspect to it for more technical teams. So that's something like Jira. For other teams, it might be Asana or Monday or Airtable or Basecamp or Notion. Maybe these are all tools that, depending on the level of, com- of complexity that you need, might require a little bit of research. But I definitely don't think that a tool, like an official tool, should be the reason why an intake process isn't put in place. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, the tool is encouraging this convergence and some cross-team collaboration. And because we're humans, there's just things that technology can't correct. It can't yeah. increase good communication across teams and the why behind things and collecting feedback and just the overall rollout of things. Those just can't be corrected yet by tools. And you brought up a really interesting point around the community and the experience that you have. I think that might not be something that folks really think about. They're probably focused on price and integrations and reporting Folks in the RevOps world are big on community because that's what we need to make things happen in a constantly changing world and having a bunch of people that are passionate about the product and having a company that listens and sees people complaining about something and does something about it definitely bodes well for us. So something to definitely keep in mind. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, I'm definitely more of a generalist, so there are very few things that I'm an expert on, but having a community forum in most cases, very rarely... Are we the first person to think of something or try something out? We like to think we are, but that's not always the case. So it's good to have a community where people who have different experiences of your own, you can pull from that. For sure. Another thing is, again, we're not <laughs> we're not sponsored by Airtable, but I do really like Airtable. And the reason why is because I've been able to set an intake process up with Airtable in a day. And there's a lot of flexibility Early on in my career, when I wasn't super keen on how things automate and integrations, it was a cool tool for me to get more comfortable thinking about how can I impact this and not just be reactive to the system that exists, but how could I build this out in a way that makes sense? I really like the flexibility of being able to add fields, which you could do in any intake process, but not just having request by request type, but getting creative. If your company has four core goals or your team has some higher level objectives, then you could tag 
the intake tickets or whatever you want to call them with that. And then you could show your work more in the end of, hey, this is, you know, we've touched on that or we've, the volume of work is skewing in this area. It helps you tell that story because unfortunately you can't just say that your team's overloaded. You need to be able to show that to build a case that you're driving momentum and not every team in RevOps, looking at you, marketing and CS, <laughs> also sales, can immediately show quantitative impact on revenue. So it's another way to tell that story of, hey, we're focused on these initiatives and we're driving the needle in these ways. Yeah, we do that for OKRs. And we did. I did not do it at the beginning. It was something mm -hmm. that I added probably middle of the year, which is actually only a couple <laughs> of months now. So for the last couple of months, we've been tying them into company OKRs. So it can help us not only report on where those efforts might be leading, but also mm -hmm. from a prioritization standpoint is we want to put and bring visibility and a higher prioritization to projects, big or small, that help drive those OKRs. So I'd like to also talk about what are the metrics and reports that you run to gauge task distribution and progress? I'd like to give folks some ideas. Yeah. So right now it's a lot. So within Asana, you are able to create a, a dashboard of report. I believe the max is 15. Mm. So that's how many my dashboard has. It's 15 different reports, but they're all based on either the standard or custom fields that we have. And these can be ones like task by OKR, but they can also be really simplistic. So completed task by category or person. The amount of time, so that the amount of time it takes to complete a task by category or by person. I also look at not only the total time, but the average time. I think that could also be a good indicator, but also looking at for a set period of time based on your total tasks, how many were completed? Can usually, usually there are some uncompleted tasks. So depending on how you work or if there's a rhythm, like if you run in sprints or you run in programs, you are able to help better learn and inform and maybe dial back some of the work you expect of yourself during the next cycle. Yes, I think it's very important to have the ability to look at what you've done. So I have my own Airtable that's my own to-do list. It's my own personal intake process. So it doesn't always have to span an org. Okay. And it's helpful to look at it because sometimes in a day or a week or a month, I will think, what have I done? Have I done enough? And I can tell you during like retros and review cycles and things of that nature, it's really helpful to be able to go back and have that data. And I know on a larger scale with an intake process, having the ability to realistically look at how long it takes to do certain things can really help you project from a resourcing perspective, thinking about the future and how you'd like to tackle your larger roadmap items. Yeah, very much so. I think to your point, it's like rev out short-term memory loss, right? We <laughs> usually work on a multitude, mm -hmm. a numerable account of different types of tasks and work. These might be large things, medium things, small things. But to your point, I think it is very easy to if you're on an annual cycle, think back and be like, what did I work on in January that was impactful? 
if you have an intake process for yourself or for your team, this gives you an easy way. You could probably even, you can create a tag for it that says like win or loss. And, you know, tag it as something that you want to make sure that you call out as something you feel really comfortable about that you did great in that was a win for the company or a criticism that you have for yourself that's something that you'd like to work on. For sure. I know that there's a lot of times when things aren't landing very well. For example, I I worked at a large organization where they transitioned from one intake tool to another and it just did not land well. And people were collectively frustrated over it, but no one wanted to say anything because the assumption was, well, this is a huge company. The decision's been made. The money's been spent. The investment's there. So what are some ways that you can collect feedback on this? Because I don't think people are always going to come to you and say, hey, these are the issues that we're facing. Or maybe they do too much, too often, in two small bites. I'm a big fan of creating appropriate space to collect feedback because you either get no feedback or you get too much unhelpful feedback at incorrect timing when you're trying to do something else. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think for smaller audiences, one-on-one conversations, they are always the best way to go. If you have a stakeholder that maybe you notice isn't using the intake and is still using their old channels to to get tasks done. I think one-on-one conversations are usually the best way to fix that. Mm-hmm. If you are a part of a larger monolithic organization, I think surveys can be a great low-touch way to do that. But I think even if if you have if you work for an average-sized organization, you have multiple channels in your Slack. Probably one for every team, maybe some that cross teams. I think even just posting quick requests for feedback. To your point, some people won't, some people will. But I think the point is just to keep trying. Yeah. And then also give people access to the intake process and let them see the type of reporting and data during those sessions. That can also be a good time to ask for feedback. You know, what what am I missing? What else would you like to see? Or here's really good conversation starters. Yeah. I'm hearing a, a few different things in this thought. So the first thing that I'm hearing is that Different people like to give and receive feedback in different ways, which is a lesson that I've really had to learn. I like situations where people ask me for feedback, right? I value sort of the one-on-one conversation like you're talking about. If I'm going to give feedback on something, I'd like to talk to the person so they know the tone and they like the way that I'm giving it. I think written feedback over Slack is great because it's really hard for people to be honest about what they don't like, especially if you have a good relationship with them, especially if they feel as though there's a lot going on and you and your team is super high performing. They don't want to be a cog in the system. And so that written form is a good way to distance yourself from any criticism and they feel more welcome to give that feedback. And surveys too, and not just long surveys, but Little surveys, you could do them once a quarter, once a month, and just little bites. And another thing I've learned, and this isn't just for intake processes, but when gathering feedback, you also want to ask about the positive things. If you had a magic wand, what would you change about this? And there's probably some great ideas hanging out that you could pretty quickly implement. Yeah, no, those are actually 
pretty much hit the nail on the head. So I'd like to start to wrap things up. And I know that adoption is really important. So you've got your feedback. And in our pre-episode chat, you talked about socializing it. And I'm wondering if you have any tips on that end of the spectrum. Yeah, I think it's, you want to socialize it, right? Especially if it's only you using it. I think if you talk to other people about it, whether it's during coffee chats or Mm. in the small talk before team meetings while you're waiting for the 10 other people to join, I think you might find out that other people also have similar processes, but don't think of it, to your point earlier, they don't think of it like an intake process. They just think of it as their own task list. So socializing it is important. You might learn something, especially if you want to roll it out or make it a larger initiative that you drive with your company or even your team is that the more people you talk to about it with, the less it will be a surprise. Mm -hmm. And you might be able to find a partner or partners who will help you take ownership of all the things that come along with rolling out a new process like documentation. Yes, you definitely want that alignment piece. And I'm sure things are going to land better if you say we instead of I when you want to make big changes like this. Yeah. And something that you touched on that really stood out to me is that it's really, if we take a step back and we think about what is RevOps, it's about breaking down silos. So what better way to break down silos between teams than to converge your intake process? All right. Well, thanks everyone for making it this far. I'd like to wrap things up and summarize what we talked about. So a good intake process starts with beginning small and getting early adoption, finding gaps in your reporting to improve the process, picking a tool that has a great community and resources behind it because none of them are perfect. And lastly, you want to socialize it and get people excited. And Stephanie, I'm wondering if I missed anything. No, it was excellent. It was a pleasure. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time and your insight. And we'll see you soon. Thanks, Adam. (laughs) 